You are listening to the Age of Heroes podcast, a podcast dedicated to pop culture, fandom, and the geek world. My name is JP Saurikolia. I am a digital creator committed to inspiring others to pursue their passions, their dreams, and goals. I am sitting down with creators and influencers from all walks of life to talk about their work, their experiences, and how to make a positive impact. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, how you doing? JP Sari Kolia here, and welcome again to another episode. Uh, this is episode 11 of this season, and I want to thank you all, everyone that has been watching these videos, everyone who's been listening to the podcast, uh, to the different platforms. Thank you very much for your support. It's been an amazing uh, season so far. Great guests, great interviews, talking about collectibles, talking about the industry, comics, talking about a lot of things, and it is exciting when we can get together as collectors as people who are fans and geeks in general people that love pop culture to talk about the things that we're passionate about so today i have a great guest name is joe blindsider that's the name uh as for those who are familiar with joe um with blindsider um he is a person that has been in the uh, is a collector has been involved in the collectible such a collect at least as far as i know with statues for quite some time um and blindsider you've been always an inspiration uh, the stuff that you have always your your pictures your collection has always been amazing i've always enjoyed that since i met your uh, met you at you know in this case on statue marble that's when i saw your pictures uh which rest in peace statue marbles <laughs> uh, yeah. i used to love that of uh, that forum and uh but you, you've been you're still on instagram so and i enjoy uh looking at your pictures and all of that so welcome joe thank you for the opportunity to have this interview with you oh yeah thanks for inviting me well joe hey like i like i was mentioning uh you've been an inspiration you are pr pr perhaps one of the first if not the first person that i remember who i remember that was doing a statue photograph you know photography on statues um it was not a common thing to do back then you know like people buy statues that's it but you combine two things that i'm passionate about you combine statue collecting with a passion of photography and you make right. this amazing looking uh, photos that you can we can still see on instagram and uh how you got to do that how you what was the what prompted you to do that you know to start that trend yeah so uh, like like you i was a member of statue marvels and uh i had started collecting statues as well uh bowen designs primarily um and through that forum there were other people there just taking pictures of their statues and uh really that just inspired me to get into photography just mm. just pure photography as far as you know capturing uh, a statue or whatever. Um, so there were some, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to learn photography itself, uh, you know, just reading books, watching videos and that. And uh, if you looked at my pictures over time, I hopefully they've improved. They have. <laughs> uh, but at, at some point, um, I don't know why I just decided that uh, I like the idea of, you know, dioramas around the statues. Um, I liked the idea of trying to put these statues into an image where they looked real, you know, as real as possible, or at least in some type of environment or something. Um, and I think, uh, I don't know, I just 
started doing that and uh, it's progressed from there. So, you know, initially I, if anyone remembers, I was actually making dioramas, mm-hmm. uh, statues, um, some of which are in the collection. In the background, yeah. Yeah. Um, but at some point it got to be where either it was so much work to make all of those or I couldn't make what I really wanted to do. And that's when I kind of converted to just all digital. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, because I remember like the the ones on the background, um, always that, that part, particularly that Spider-Man diorama. For those who are listening uh, and they don't have the opportunity to to look at the video, watch the video, um, you know, in the background, he has a uh, some dioramas, some Bowen design dioramas, and they look amazing. And I still remember looking at that, um, the Spider-Man and all the foes in the background. Uh, that diorama was always an inspiration to me. I wanted to have something very similar, and I worked towards it. I did not accomplish it, but it was always there as inspiration. And I think that's a, a great thing about photography, uh, particularly with statues, is that it gives us a glimpse of a vision that we can pursue, uh, something that is sometimes is hard to do. Um, and I think one of the great things about uh, particularly collecting Bowen designs, which unfortunately is not the case anymore, you can still collect some of the older pieces, but is that it gives us the opportunity to create dioramas better than in, any other company has done so far. Uh, how you feel about not having Bowen designs um, as, a, as something that we can rely on as we used to do? Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because I you know I think we were both around the same time where uh, it was so exciting uh, just to get glimpses of you know what new statues were coming out and uh, I think you mentioned on other episodes where just the idea of trying to be able to complete teams or you know whatever that you were going for uh, that was all exciting stuff and and I think uh, a lot of us always felt that the bow and design stuff was. Uh, the most comic accurate, right? Mm. It's like they were pulled right from the pages of comics. And yeah, they're not super detailed or they don't look real like some of the statues nowadays, but I don't know, they just hit that sweet spot. And I think uh, at the time, the size and the price point uh, was just perfect. It was. Now, that brings me to that question. How do you get uh, how do you get into statue collecting? How do you be, uh, become a collector? So I, you know, I've always collected I've collected comics for a long time. Um, and I think probably like most people, I was I was in a store somewhere and there was a <laughs> Bowen Designs Daredevil statue sitting there. Mm-hmm. And I was just so amazed at it. Um, you know, I, I promptly bought it and then like uh, people's like, oh, I'm just going to get my favorite characters, just one or two, and then it starts expanding, and then uh, you know I end up with what I have now. So um, yeah, I was never a completist, but you know I always had some set um, goal of what I wanted, you know how many I wanted or what characters I wanted. So yeah, yeah, because I see like in the bag you have the Spider Man. We kind of share the same thing because uh, I'll you have the Spider Man display you have the fantastic for display which i grew up with the fantastic four john byrne was my hero <laughs> that era was the best in my opinion and you got the avengers you also had the x-men and to me though that's the golden era of course this is the silver age i'm uh, no, sorry the silver the bronze age but to mm-hmm. me that that was the time you know between that bronze age and into the dark ages whatever but it was a time where it was so exciting to to be a comic book reader 
Do you still read comics? I do. Um, I don't buy um, individual comics anymore. Um, there was a period where I'm also, I was a uh, hardcover collector as well. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you've seen any pictures of those, but surrounded by yes. a few too many omnibus myself. But um, so actually what I do now is um, to keep up with the new stuff, I actually uh, get trade paperbacks from the library. So that's what keeps okay. me uh, up to date on what's going on. So. I used to do that. I haven't done that. I think my, I need to renew my card. It's been, <laughs> I used to go to the library myself to get like a, kind of stay on track with some of the comic stuff. You know, nowadays I, I read digitally and I know a lot of people are against digital comics, but it's easier for me. Maybe I've just gotten older and like a big tablet, you know, and uh, sure. I know I still, some people have a hard time, but I still collect, you know, hardcover books. I still have a passion mm -hmm. for it. Um, what uh, you know besides marvel what other things that you 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 read uh, in comics what other things that you're you enjoy reading well i try to follow um i try to follow good creators okay. um so I, you know i like dc as well um a lot of independent stuff mm -hmm. um, so I, i'm open to almost anything now let me ask you this um and going back to the same thing um going back to your art because i consider what you do art um it's a uh, you know, it's something that um, it was always an inspiration. And, and I know right now there is, which is amazing, that we get to see a lot of uh, photography, particularly with toys. Uh, toy photography is something very common now, uh, particularly one six scale. But also I've seen people using what there is Marvel Legends, which is six inch figures, uh, one twelve scale. And they come out with amazing stuff. Like they do whole dioramas, battles, all of that, all that stuff. What is the difference between toy photography and statue photography? What are the parallels perhaps, but also the differences? So I think the biggest difference is that of course, statues are fixed positions, right? They're in a certain pose and you're kind of limited by that. Mm -hmm. um, there are plenty, there are actually a few toy photographers that I follow as well, just to get inspiration. Also, I'm just um, as amazed mm -hmm. also with their work and their, their ideas. Um, but yeah, for statues, it's it again. You're you're so limited by whatever whatever pose they're in. Um, so it takes a little bit more. Uh, it's a little bit harder to come up with an image that would fit. Um, and it's also you know I've I've photographed these for so long, and and obviously my collection's not growing, so I don't have any new new models to use. So mm. coming up with different ways to, to photograph them and put them in images, it's, it's been a little bit of a challenge. Do you think that photography uh, sells? Do you think that good statue photography or anything, uh, uh, product photography really sells the product? Uh, I think it does to a certain extent. I mean, okay. I've had people say, yeah, I saw your picture and I, it just, it really made me want that, mm -hmm. which is great for, you know, the for company them and, and the company. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get anything for that, but, um, you know, it's, you know, we're all kind of in this together, right? We're all fans. So, uh, if that pushes someone over the edge, then I guess that's, I guess that's a good thing. So. Yeah, because I think one thing that I, I know, and, you know, I've, as a person that has been dedicating a good portion of my life to talk about com you know by collectibles and statues uh, i noticed that um you know like 
it depends. Like comp some companies, they invest a good amount of money into the pre-production, into the advertisement part. And one of those aspects is the photography. You know, like you have companies like SciShow. They, they have these nice pictures of the products. And that is always sells, you know, companies like, and I noticed another trend, like there are companies that like Prime One Studio, they do a lot of Photoshop, which is good. Mm -hmm. And something that you also use as a technique. And that really enhances the, the view, of at least the image, or, you know, that really helps with the desire for you to get these pieces versus some other companies that they really don't invest as much. And sometimes you, you know, there's that lack of quality on the pictures. So you really don't know if the product is as it is intended to be, or as it's shown there. So I don't think they sell as well because I've seen some companies are struggling with that. I, and I think some companies are doing, they're having improvements. I, I would say, for example, XM Studios is one of them that initially I, I was never blown away by their photography, but Ooh. they've been investing more and more into it. And it feels that, you know, now it's better. The product looks a lot better. So I think, do you think the companies need to invest more in, into that area so they can have more photographers doing the work? Um, that way you, they can advertise in a better way? Yes, I, I'd agree with that. I think, you know, as a collector, uh, when you see an image of a statue that's going to come out and it potentially is something that I want, you know, I want to see details on how it looks, right? I want to see all the angles, you know, different lighting, close up sometimes. Um, so I think at a minimum, that's required uh, to sell a product, right? I, if I'm going to spend money on it, then I want to know what I'm getting, you know, when I put that money down. Now, as far as, you know, making it more artistic, um, I think it certainly helps. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it draws the, the buyer in to the product more. So I think it's a good idea, you know, how much, how much time and money they spend, of course, depends on the company and you know, all that kind of stuff. But do you think that can, it can also be counterproductive when you are embellishing these pictures to a degree where it's not the actual product? Um, when you get something, because sometimes you hear that disappointment or you hear the disappointment from a lot of collectors because the final product, as we all know, it's not ever going to match that production or this is the prototype. Do you think that can also be harmful? I think it can. I mean, I, I, I've been, I've seen people disappointed before yeah, with, you know, the prototype being different from the, the final product. So, uh, but some of that may just be the nature of the business, right? They, the way it's, uh, you sculpt something ahead of time and it takes however many months to create something and there may be production issues, whatever, uh, you know, I'd, I'm not, I'm not on the inside, so I don't know. So I imagine there's some things that they just are out of their control, but, um, but yeah, but I, in general, I would agree that you need, the pictures need to be as accurate as possible to the, the product, especially nowadays when, you know, you're pretty much almost forced to pre-order things now, uh, if you want to get something right. So it's not like you can walk into a store sometimes and see it. Right. So. Now, when you, you say that, um, you know, that's things that things have changed. And I, I can tell you one thing, I, for example, I do on uh, my stuff that I do on YouTube, I have to do these photographs, of course, and doing thumbnails is, is an art in itself too. You have to 
Sometimes you have to change the color of the image. You have to change some of the filters so the image look good. Also, when you produce in a video, you have to change the filters. You, you do all these tricks. I remember when I started doing videos 10 years ago, um, it was just the video. You know, I, would, I used to film the first time with my phone back then, which they were not as good as they are now. And that was it. Uploaded to YouTube and that was it. Over time, you kind of learn how to change things around that you need to, uh, you know, edit the image, make it more clear. And you have to kind of walk the thin line between not giving too much when you add in filters, not to go too unnatural with the color, because if mm -hmm. not, the piece is going to look very different than what the person yeah. is going to get in hand. And I know this for some people, it's fine, but I know other collectors that they have a hard time with that. They, sometimes they ask me, do you add a filter to the video because the color doesn't look right? And it was just like a fraction, just a little fraction of difference of the color. Maybe I just light up a little more, but it's not a big difference. But some people have a hard time adapting to those things. So, but at the same time, I feel that, you know, like you said, it's the nature of the business. Uh, companies have to sell to stay in business. So they have to promote one way or the other. They're not going to show you an ugly picture. They're not going to give you like a, a bad phone picture. They have to give you the best picture possible. So that way you fell in love with the piece, go and buy it. Right. Exactly. And that yes. is, it's like the same as, you know, like selling a car. And then you have the sexy lady right next to the car, you know, <laughs> you buy the car because yeah. first of all, the attraction gets you, you know, the girl, the beautiful girl there, whether mm -hmm. there is beer or whatever, you know, it's just the attraction. And then of course the product. Uh, so it's a, uh, it's just advertisement. It's just an iffy situation. Now in, in reference to the industry, uh, as we, you and I, we've been collecting for a long time now since the Bowen days. And there's been a lot of changes in the industry for sure. Um, how do you feel about these changes? Uh, you know, from when it used to be just a small community, now you have a really large community and there's so many different companies producing so many different things for all different franchises. How do you feel about this new order, this new world we're living in? Yeah, it, it is, it's certainly different. And of course, like anything, you know, everything changes, right? So. It, you have to just kind of go with it. But, you know, for me personally, um, <clears throat> one six scale Bowen scale is, is the right size for me. Uh, you know, when things started to go to quarter scale, uh, the size, the pure size and the cost was a little too much for me. Right. I mean, I only have so much space. I only have so much money. Um, so that kind of put me out of the, out of the collect statue collecting uh, arena. Now, um, you know, obviously whatever people want, that's up to them, you know, with, with variety, with more companies, um, you, you're going to get, you know, more choices. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's always a good thing. Um, it doesn't seem to be helping with the prices, but, um, but at least you get uh, more options, right? Because, uh, you know, I think statue collectors are just as picky as anybody, as far as what they're looking for. Uh, in a specific character or pose or whatever. So um, I, for the most part, it's it's good, but there are some drawbacks, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there is um, a lot of drawbacks on it. Uh, I think the biggest for me uh, in reference to what the companies are doing is that, yeah, you know, it's amazing what companies are coming up with, but there's a lot of things that I feel that companies have not 
who are not doing as well as they, they were, you know, I would say Boeing designs used to do. And one of them is to keep on track with one thing. Um, Boeing designs, there was a vision, I would say, to bring as many characters as possible from the Marvel, you know, lore from the comics. And, you know, you may get, you know, you got several Iron Man statues, but at the same time, in between that, you get all this more darker, second tier, third tier characters. And that allow you to build these dioramas. And I, I like you said, I, the problem with larger pieces, quarter scale, and which I did collect at some point, and I stopped collecting because first, like you, it, it was restrictive. Not, not only because you pay more money, and the problem, I think the major problem was that the space limitation. And I'm the type of person that I love these characters. I want to build these dioramas. I want to build these collections with all these characters. You know, I cannot have just the X-Men with Wolverine or Cyclops. I need to have Nightcrawler. I need to have Cyclops. I, I'm sorry, uh, Colossus. I need to have even the dark characters or the more obscure characters. And I feel that that was the nature of it, like building these collections. And, and the problem with the companies now is that they, you get, they produce the same character over and over and over and over again. You, you get like the same Wolverine in so many different colors. Mm -hmm. That's disappointing, at least for me. How you feel about companies just doing the same mm -hmm. thing over and over? Yeah, I, I'd agree. It's, um, you know, they've, they've got this um, manufacturing structure, right, that they got to follow with, uh, with marketing and you know, the factories and that kind of thing. So they have, to, they have to focus on characters that they know will sell, right? So that's why we have so many Batmans and Wolverines and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's disappointing. Uh, I can't imagine starting now collecting and you know just being stuck with just a few characters so um i i would think that people would go back and try to hunt down bow and stuff just because they can get more characters um but i don't know if that's happening now or not but uh yeah do you bring a good point there uh because this is the time even though we'd say that we we as old heads so we can call it that we we see it as, oh, you know, the 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 ship has sailed. It's over, you know, for Bowen Designs. But this mm -hmm. is a great time to go back and if you want to really get deep into Bowen to get some of the old those old Bowen pieces, because mm -hmm. I've seen and like even I go on eBay, some of the pieces that I have, some of them that were highly coveted back then, and I paid top dollar for them. Now they're going for half of that price, or even less than what they were on retail. Because mm -hmm. people are going into, everybody's going into the one, the quarter scale or the one third scale nowadays. So mm -hmm. like you see this amount of product on, on, you know, on Facebook groups or on, on eBay, it's a great time really to get into, if you really want to collect the classic stuff, I think it's a perfect time. Do you right. think that that's the case too? Or. Yeah, I think it is that, you know, there's, you've got to find the right people. There are some people selling, right. Um, I've seen a few groups. Uh, Facebook groups that people sell. Um, yeah, there's still a couple of pieces that I wouldn't mind having. Um, I don't, they, they haven't reached the price point that I, I'd be willing to jump on them, but uh, there's still a couple that I'm looking for. Yeah, there is a few that I know, like, um, that they, you know, they got a little too expensive. Um, and that's because, of course, the demand and there were not that many products or they came with... Uh, it was common to have certain, certain, you know, damage uh, in packaging or things like that. So the number of good 
pieces it's, it's limited um but uh it, it was fun and i think that one thing that uh, i do miss from those days is that i felt that um that you got to know everybody at least you didn't know him personally as we tend to do now but everybody had a you know whether it was your alter ego um on whatever forum you know you were blind cider that's all i knew that's all i care about Mm-hmm. Uh, I was JP Sari, uh, but there were so many people, yeah, and that was it. I know there was a more, there was a level of privacy that was kept, right. which we don't get to see more. Um, mm-hmm. But um, it, it, you know, there was a camaraderie. You know, there was a, a level of friendship, and you got to know everybody. You know, you know the troublemakers, the people that always have a dissenting mm-hmm. opinions. You got to know the people who, who. Um, you constantly have problems with agreeing or in, in a lot of disagreements about whatever, but um, it was a different universe, which I feel that now with the social media era of Facebook and Facebook groups, you know, you say you you share your opinion and you're gonna be demoralized just to be there because people are going to tear you apart and then only be they're not gonna be just critical about what your opinion, your opinion, you're gonna be critical about your life because they have this glimpse of your life because they can get into your profile, all of that. Uh, what do you think about Facebook groups? What is your opinion about this new era of communication that we have for you know collectors in the community? Yeah, I think they're similar to yours. It's, it's just unfortunate that, um, you know, not just these groups, but the world's just a little bit more toxic, a little bit, a little bit meaner than it used to be. Um, yeah, like you said, the, previously the, you know, at least with Statue Marvels, we, we were all in it together because we all had the love for these this product and this whole product line, and, and that's what what kept us together. And typically, you know, we didn't bring other other aspects of our lives into it, so I, it kept us focused. I think, but yeah, it's unfortunate that you you can't have a dissenting opinion without someone jumping down. Uh, and uh, and making it personal, which is unfortunate. I mean, it's okay to have different opinions, but let's let's not make it mean, right? So, yeah, and you know, and this is the thing. Like, I feel um, there are those, you know, and I'm I'm not trying to sound like the old man saying like, <laughs> oh, those days were be- the best, because I think that there is still uh, a lot of good things in and co- you know collecting now. I start your collecting. There's still there's room for that. Uh, I still enjoy it, um, um, even though I know. Everyone is in a different stage, and a lot of collectors who have decided to move away from it, even artists who have decided to move away, everybody's in a different stage in their life, and you know that has to do with personal choices and things like that. But um, I still think there's there there's room uh, to enjoy this. Um, however, I feel that you have to be more careful of what you say and who you express that opinion to versus before, uh, because yeah, you can say something perhaps mean in a forum, but nobody's watching you in the sense that uh, nobody knows who you really are. You know, this is just maybe you're releasing some some steam, but the difference now is that you release some steam that you're going to be marked for life <laughs> what? on Facebook, right. on Facebook. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I seen that, you know, like I seen so many toxic environments or toxic uh, engagements where uh, some people who I know who are great collectors, who have been in the hobby for a long time, and they're afraid to just come out and say something. Even people mm-hmm. who I invited to come here, they decline because they have, you know, and I'm going to share their names, but some people that I invited to the podcast, they decline because they had some 
interactions that were not um, really good with some other people. And that really roll into something really terrible or bad and worse. And, you know, people, their names get thrown to the mud and all that. And to me, that's this, that's just sad because at the end of the day, I feel that we are, we share the same passion. We love collecting. We love statues. We love comics. We love these things. And, you know, we put aside our, whatever situations we have in our lives, just to come to this place, to engage in something that we love or are passionate about, just to come to a place where sometimes the animosity is even worse than in, in personal life. And I feel that that is something that unfortunately it happens and there's no control per se uh, to do it. Do you think that there is, a, yeah. that it's going to get better at some point? Uh, I don't know about that. I could be pretty <laughs> pessimistic when it comes to that. But I mean, you know, basically what you said is kind of where I'm at. I mean, that's that's one reason I don't do a lot on social media. I just, um, I don't want to get into any of those situations. Um, and it's unfortunate that you can't even give an opinion because you're worried someone's going to attack you in some way, right? So, um yeah, it's unfortunate. Are you paying attention to the companies that they're coming out now? Are you following the, the, the new companies? Are you interested in some of this? Not a lot. Um, I still kind of like to see what's out there. Mm -hmm. uh, but like I said, I'm not really in the buying game anymore. So, you know, I'm kind of aware of what's out there, but I'm not really following um, individual companies or anything like that. So, Is there any company, even though you're not following them, anything that you have seen lately that has surprised you? Um, maybe not surprised, but, you know, I, I really liked, um, like Twitterhead stuff is pretty mm -hmm. good, especially the, even their 2.0 stuff is probably even better than the superpower stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty nice. Um, you know, the, some of the prime one stuff I think is, it's super detailed and nice, but, uh, I don't know. It's just a lot too much for me, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was talking to, um, recently to another, um, it was on a sculptor and it's another guest um you know here on the podcast I'm talking to uh, to Joe Mena I, I can name him um but Joe Mena I was talking to him um it was a fantastic episode um uh, but we talk about a lot of, uh, you know he is a sculptor that does a lot of digital stuff I'm not sure if you're aware of Joe um but he works for a lot of the companies has worked for many companies but he did uh actually he did the Mephisto for Bowen Designs that was the first digital piece produced for Bowen. Uh, yeah. The first time that Bowen Designs went into digital uh, production things. And that was the first one. And I think that he did the whole thing. And if I'm not mistaken, Randy did some of the, some of the final touches of the piece. But, yeah. um, and you know, and Joe is also a traditional sculptor. So he, he does both. But, um, we're talking about that, you know, the one thing that he mentioned is that just because you add a lot of texture on top of texture on this piece, it doesn't make it better. And I feel that a lot of times when a lot of, and that was part of a conversation, a lot of this, these touches that we're getting to see now, um, you know, I think the idea is people to add this texture and to the, the feel of fabric or all this to this and the skin just to make it more realistic. However, that doesn't make it better, or at least the representation. You know, it may look more realistic, but mm -hmm. it doesn't improve the art because ultimately it's just a, it's a new approach or perhaps it's a new revision or, a, you know, you know, you are 
revising the art, original art that was created uh, from the comics. Because at the end of the day, I feel that some of these characters, and that's one thing that we can go back to what Bowen was doing, is that he is stayed true to the source material. You know, mm-hmm. like you when you're looking at the pieces, you're looking at the art where there's Romita, you're looking at the art of Busema, you're looking at the art of Neil Adams, you're looking at the art of some of those artists, uh, Jack Kirby, you're looking at the art and it's so well represented. And to me, it doesn't need to be improved. You know, it doesn't need to be changed. So similar to with what you're saying is, you know, a lot of the statues now, they're they're what I would call modern interpretations, right, of, of the classic characters. And and that's fine. There's there's a certainly a place for that. Um, and then there's some that are, it's still the classic costume, but then they do add a little bit of texture or try to make uh, the materials seem more realistic. Um, so yeah, it's, it, again, it's, you know, what does the market want? What, what do collectors want? Uh, I think they're all searching for that. And um, of course, trying to get, what, you know, figure out what people, what people will buy, because it does seem that, if you were to do a classic costume, mm-hmm. a modern way, but without all that texture and stuff, it does seem like people wouldn't buy it. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but uh, I don't know. But you know what? I think the point of the reason why there is a change in the trend, um, I think it started first, as you mentioned, your first statue, which was the classic um, Bowen Designs Daredevil which is the one that initiated the whole trend anyway. Um, But the thing is this, you found it at a comic book shop. And the truth of the matter is that a lot of the the people who started doing uh, collecting Bowen, back in the day, uh, we were comic book collectors. So the only place to find these pieces was going to a comic book shop. When you go to a comic book shop, you encounter the first piece, and that becomes the start of everything else, that passion and that hobby and the the whole craziness of collecting, but it was only a niche group that were buying and not everyone, because not everyone could afford to buy the statues anyway. But when you start getting into it, you pretty much, you know, you took off. That's the difference now with, I think this community that they are becoming collectors, not because they buy comic books. It's just because they're browsing on the internet. They're looking at a video on YouTube. All of a sudden something is recommended to them. Look at this video. They look at it, they go and buy it. They're not necessarily comic book readers. So in their mind, the vision perhaps is also uh, tainted by the images of the MCU or the DCU, the stuff that they see on TV, video games and things like that. So they are not as purists. Um, so they want an interpretation that kind of resembles what they see rather than what they have read as we have. Uh, do you think that is a good thing or it's a bad thing? Well, again, it's you're bringing more people into the medium, which I think is good. Um, you know, it's it's been exciting as a longtime collector to have the MCU show up, and you have all these people that are now aware of these characters and these stories, and they're falling in love with them, just like we did. They just had a different medium for how they were introduced, and you know, if it can bring them into a store, and maybe they'll you know willing to try a comic or something, that's great. I, I think. Um, but yeah, I think even with comics, when it was purely just comics, um, you always had just the pure collectors who were in it to try to find something that was going to be worth money and speculating mm-hmm. you know, that whole era. I think that was the 90s, maybe late 90s. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, you're always going to have that, I think, right? So now when you talk about speculation, which is another team that is, <laughs> it's always been a hot team, a hot subject for a lot of people. Do you think collectors should collect for the passion and the love of the characters or they should collect thinking on the value of the product or, you know, you know just for, a, I would say, an investment purpose? How do you oh, feel yeah. about that? No, value, value is secondary, if not even lower. Uh, yeah, you need to do it, in my opinion. You need to do it because you like the character, you like the story it represents, or purely for the art of it. I mean, some of the statues I like because of the artistic value of it, right? I, I like the sculpt and how they designed it or whatever. Um, yeah, for me, it's never been about money at all. Um, I have no plans to to get rid of my statue collection anytime soon, but uh, yeah. Do you care about edition sizes? Not really. I mean, early on, there sure there was a little bit of excitement. Oh, I got you know number one or or, or AP or whatever, but not really. It's I, I think if you like it for what it is, you know, a piece of art um, representing something that you you know character you love. Then I don't think that edition size really matters. Now, with this big sizes that we you know, like big big production companies doing a lot of there there is technically at this point. Uh, the market is overflooded you know, with so many products, uh, which makes it even harder to collect because, you know, they have inflated prices first and foremost um, from this products just coming out, out of the gate. You know, the products are $1,000, $2,000, which is unthinkable in my mind, because I think if I'm going to pay $3,000 for a statue, I can actually invest that and I can get a whole collection for $3,000. Right. So... I don't see it, you know, and this pace is uh, the biggest limitation that we have. Um, but looking at this being so overcrowded, that you, do you think that this bubble is going to burst at some point? Do you think that we're going to get to it? We've been talking about it forever, but do you think that in reality we're going to get to that place where this is going to crash as the comic book, you know, the, the comics did at some point in the 90s? Yeah, you know, whether it's a full crash, I don't know, but I, I, I think you'll probably see some pullback um, in some way, whether it's a consolidation of companies or, uh, you know, they start reducing the scale again, or I, I think something's going to have to happen because that price point is pretty high and it really makes it limited for people uh, to get into it. So, um but I think you had mentioned some other time that even, even the smaller scales are pretty expensive. So I feel like at some point it's going to have to change. Something's going to have to change, whether that's just less product or hopefully not cheaper quality, but um, it's only so small you can get too, right? So uh, I don't know. I think something will change soon. It does feel like we're almost at that point where something's going to happen, but I don't know what. Yeah, because like, for example, like I'm looking at some pieces, um, you know, one thing will happen to me, I, I started um, collecting um, initially on the, in the 2000, 2000, I think that's when I started collecting statues. Um, for a couple of years, I collected Bowen Designs and some other companies uh, that was also Warner Brothers, um, some DC stuff, uh, what it used to be what, DC Direct or no, then DC Comics or DC Collectibles. And then I took a break for, I would say, five years, came back. And when I came back, I started collecting SciShow because I was blown away by SciShow's products. Mm 
water scale, one fifth scale. But then I run out of space very quick. And I says, man, this is not going to work. So then I started looking back at Bowen and I started looking also into Kotobukiya. And I haven't changed, you know, in the sense that since I started and I've been collecting one six scale, you know, primarily one six scale. I think the biggest pieces that I have now in my collection right now uh, are the Twitter head stuff, the 2.0, even though it's advertised as one six, technically it's one fifth. Um, right. And that's the, as, as large as I want to go. Not, I would love to have a space for anything bigger, but I'm just happy at that level because I feel that I can accommodate a lot more and I'm still right. building. And that's the reason why I'm collecting the Twitter head stuff because, you know, the, the hope is that I am able to collect the, the whole event, you know, Avengers, I'm sorry, the, <laughs> the <laughs> Justice League, Justice League, Justice yeah. League yeah. line. And uh, which to me, it's kind of like a, I'm excited because they're building it. And it reminds me of the, the days when I was collecting Bowen. Yeah, I was a little disappointed that um, when, when Twitter had first started, um, I had envisioned, because they seemed like they were going to go down the Batman villains route. Yes. And I was already envisioning how I would have a, something like the Spider-Man shelf behind me, uh, you know, but Batman, because um, I'm a fan of Batman too, but uh, they didn't get very far in their uh, villains line. So, yeah, they did, they have a thing. few things, but it's just like a, I think the problem they have, of course, is the scale difference now with the 2.0 being a bit larger, which I don't know what was the desire to go a little higher on it uh, and still promote it as a one six. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it seems that a, uh, a lot of people have been dissatisfied, particularly the original collectors from Twitterhead when they were collecting, like, like you were doing the original line, the original superpowers line, which are mm-hmm. more based on the classic stuff. And now superpowers, is, uh, it still has some of that classic stuff, but it has a more modern take. Um, right. So I think a lot of people are, hurt by it you know because they feel like they were kind of forgotten or put aside just for whatever the company's trying to pursue now uh which is kind of i think that that's the thing that i feel that uh unfortunately we don't get to communicate as much and i would say that the great thing about randy bowen um is that randy was available at least to listen to the feedback um randy wasn't i would say the easiest person to deal with like some people who know him better um in some instances but when he came about interacting with the public um he was great you know he listened and he took you know those those considerations and that thing that that was a reason why people felt you know really i would say attached to the company also because they felt that something was being produced in their name i feel the other companies like with sideshow like people up to this day they cry out for for certain characters, they never get produced. And that's one of the reasons why I actually went and left also Sideshow because I realized very early on that it will take forever just to get what I wanted. And yeah. other companies will be able to produce that. So I think at that time, Bowen was still alive. I said, Bowen can do it. Then Kurobukiya was doing it. But as you was mentioning now, Kurobukiya, uh, the quality was never at the same level of Bowen. Um, it has improved now. The quality is better that we used to be, and it's great. It's great quality, but it's attached to a higher price tag. Like like the most recent cable that came out and the Deadpool that is coming out very soon, you're talking about $500 one six scale piece. And to me, that is like, how do we get 
this far into paying that. And there's a couple companies that I'm paying attention. I love I love the anime stuff. I, I love anime too. And there's companies that I love, like Sume Art from France. Um, and some of the stuff they produce, uh, that you look at, and even Queen Studios, which they're producing one six scale statues based on anime. That stuff is eight hundred dollars, a thousand dollars for one six scale piece. And even though it's yeah. amazing detail, I'm just like, do I really want to get into this rabbit hole? Because right. I'm a completionist in some way, not a, like a full completionist, but I like to have at least a close to full roster. I'm I'm not sure if this is for you know for for me. You know, I think this is getting into a game where whoever has the most money to blow. You know, and I think that is something that we're seeing a lot. How you feel about this prices right now? Yeah, I I, I think they're way too high i mean you know some of it's you know we grew up in the bone era where they were you know around 200 dollars at at the most at the for a while there and yeah spending four or five hundred dollars on a statue of similar size i i just couldn't i couldn't do that um and of course being much older and uh financially responsible <laughs> it's not the best investment for your money right yes you really make sure you have uh, all of your the rest of your life in order first before you start spending money on a, that kind of money on a statue. But um, people want it, and if they can afford it, then I guess they will. So it become it's becoming like a, a young man's game, you know, like in in some way. Like a lot of the people who are collecting like crazy right now, they're just a lot. They're young, and they may not have the same financial responsibilities or perhaps they do but not they don't have the maturity at least to see it hey you know i could put this money on my 401k or i can do this for my retirement right. rather than yeah. just investing in something that i'm not going to get my money back right. uh, in the end um because ultimately um there was a time where it was easy to trade a lot of stuff and sell even with bowen where you can make your money back in some but that time is gone. You know, the, you know, everything you buy nowadays is at the highest price possible to the point where you're not going to sell. I, I, I'm looking at some of the stuff. I look at the prices people are selling stuff. They're selling the lower than what they pay for. And some of the stuff is exclusive stuff. Uh, they pay probably $1,000 for it. And they sell it for $800, something like that. So they're losing a lot. I remember when I I did sell, you know buy and sell Bowen stuff you know I could buy it like you said for two hundred dollars and all of a sudden sell it for five hundred dollars or something like that because it was sold out piece that is gone you know we don't I don't get to see that anymore that's the reason why I stopped selling stuff a long time ago because I realized that it was just it was I was just losing money and most of the time you get into these situations with people that I felt you know what I don't want to get into this anymore if I buy it is because I want it and because I want to keep it in my collection. Um, now, as you mentioned, Aaron, you are not collecting as, as much anymore. Do you still collect anything besides just the statues or anything besides the no, hardcover so, books? Like I said, yeah, I, I, you know, collected comics for a long time. I did hardcovers for a long time and, and statues as well. So kind of last year I decided, you know what, I need to, I need to stop because, <laughs> um, <laughs> And that's where I was thinking a lot about why, you know, why am I collecting, you know, why do I do this? Um, and I think I've just grown old or mature, or however you want to look at it, where I don't really need it anymore. I mean, I, I still love the, I still love comics and the characters and the stories. So, I, you know, I continue to read, um, but spending the money to, to have a physical object, I think I'm, I'm probably done with that. 
Now, one thing that I'm looking in the back of your display, and there's something that I always love and admire, and I remember when I saw it years ago, is that vehicle with the Fantastic Four, and that is a special commission. Uh, I know you, you commissioned that, correct? No, no, no. I made it. It's, you made it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's not, it's it's like made out of cardboard and wood and stuff like that. It's nothing, nothing fancy, but I made it myself, yeah. Uh, it, you know, like, to be honest with you, at this point, I mean, if I tell people, if you need to collect, if you are a fan of Fantastic Four, the, you know, there's maybe some things here and there, but, you know, Bowen has, has you cover. In my opinion, they, they, they had it, you know, they still have it. And it's sad that we haven't really seen that much Fantastic Four over the years. And of course, you know, we had the situation with Disney and Fox and everything and trying to buy the rights and got the rights. Finally, they got it. We know that the movie is coming perhaps you know like what two three years from now whatever like the plan that the mcu has which i'm excited for anyway hopefully i get to see it <laughs> we get that I'm point curious, yeah i'm really curious to see it just to see the new interpretation of it um I, i'm still not convinced mr fantastic's gonna look good in a film uh you know even that little bit that we saw in the movie it still didn't quite meet what i was hoping for so yeah, the last two movies, like the last two, what was the last movie that didn't do so well? And then the other one the, they had, or the two that came before it. I don't know, man. I, I'm telling you, those movies, they were this. I still watch them, you know, because I'm not, a type of, I'm not a type of person that I'm going to be, I don't get offended. Like some people do with some yes. of the choices they make. I just, I, like you said, I haven't got to the place where I feel like, man, they have done justice to the Fantastic Four. Mm -hmm. Um. I would definitely love to see it. I know that the MCU can do it, um, but let's hope that they don't they don't go too far left also <laughs> on it and, yeah. and destroy the spirit of what the Fantastic Four was. Yeah, I think the FF is really tricky, right? There's this it's this 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 uh, feeling of family, but adventure. You know, you know they're not really classic superheroes as far as fighting bad guys. It's not really their point. Mm -hmm. To be able to to write a film that captures that that's that's going to take some work. So we'll so, see. So what is it that now you really getting closer to the end of it? What is really um, your take on the movies now representing these characters? Like how you feel about the MCU and this new phase, for example? I like that they are trying to branch out. You know, get away from you know just the Avengers. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're taking some chances, which is good. Trying mm. to, they're trying to diversify, uh, not, you know, not in the modern sense of, you know, minorities and all that kind of stuff, but just try to get more variety to the characters and the other universe. So I think mm. that's all good. Um, you know, they're they're certainly not hitting them all out of the park like they were mm. in the first ten years, but. Um, but you it's, did you watch the uh, what was that the the Quantumania? I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Um, I'm I'm at the point where I kind of I kind of wait for it to show up on Disney Plus. So yeah, I did see um, the Black Panther movie. That's the last one I've seen. So what do you think about that one? It was okay. Um, I liked Namor more than I was expecting. Mm -hmm. um, you know. I, I was a little rankled by the fact that he wasn't, you know, half Atlantean, and I guess they just didn't want to introduce that whole concept to the universe. Mm -hmm. um, 
I don't feel that Shuri was a strong enough character to to drive the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know if I liked her enough to want to see her as the main character. The main character. Um, it was a tricky situation. And first of all, you know, I think with the passing of Bozeman, definitely kind of throw everything off their plan. So they have to come up with something. I think, right. like you said, I think the movie wasn't bad. I think they, the the farewell to Bozeman was there, which I totally get it. At the same time, um, you know, it got bugged down a bit in some aspects where I feel like, you know, it was not as a strong, and, you know, it's hard to really, it's, it's a difficult situation because what to do, do you replace the character with someone else? And that really throws everything off. However, they did it with, you know, with War Machine, with, uh, uh, you know, and that was not a problem. But, you know, that was, you know, a secondary character in some way, or at least how the MCU presented. And in this case, being Black Panther, I don't know, it was a, it was a touchy situation. But, yeah, I feel that this phase, they, they're trying new ideas. Uh, of course, I'm not going to spoil you, Quantumania. I enjoy it. I liked it. My wife didn't like it as much. Um, I think still the first movie is the best, the first Ant-Man movie. Uh, and, um, but I feel like, I think that they're not, they are trying to build towards something, which also allows also for the Fantastic Four, which is something that they did in Quantumania. There's more of the sci-fi element in the film, which is something that is connected, you know, to the Fantastic Four universe itself. You know, like you said, it was not necessarily a history or the, the Fantastic Four was... In reality, it was more about the sci-fi elements, about discovering new universes, traveling the universe, uh, meeting new races, and all the things that happen while you have this family and the interaction with this family, which I think that's the amazing aspect. There's an amazing thing about the Fantastic Four, they, how human it feels, even though they are exploring, you know, galaxies away. You know, it, to me, that was the, in some way, it felt a lot like Star Trek, you know, kind <laughs> of, in yeah, some way. Right. Uh, thing. Yeah. And I, I think that that's something that, Hopefully they can nail on the on the in this interpretation that they have, but I don't know. I, I in some way I have read some, you know, some. So I've been reading some articles where people are saying that in some way the superhero genre is kind of I would say dying out, but I think people are getting a little bit tired of it because you know we have so much of it. We've been watching it so much. I think at some point we just. You know, we we don't we end up doing the same thing as you do. I just say, well, you know what? I'm just gonna wait until it comes out on Disney Plus or whatever. And I do the same thing. It's just, I don't know. It's just it's just different. It's just different. Uh, the excitement is not there as it used to be at some point. Yeah, and I think it's well, you know, that that first ten years is um, they really stuck the landing right with it with Endgame and Infinity War, and um, so the bar was set really really high. high. And, you know, I guess they've got kind of a mini version of that with the FF and then finally bring back, uh, was it one or two Avengers movie just within three or four years? I think that's the plan, right? Um, so I think a smaller scale is in some ways is good, right? Don't be so ambitious. But I think one of the problems I think is, you know, we're all, as fans, we're all um, looking for that the big win, right? Mm-hmm. You're looking for that Infinity War Endgame movie all the time, and you can't have high stakes all the time. It's the same with comics, right? You mm-hmm. can't have an event every year that's threatened the entire universe all the time. So I was really hoping for more individual movies where you just focused on the character, uh, you know, not 
world ending universe ending stories um like i i really liked like winter soldier it's probably one of my favorite mm. smaller films because it was about cap right that's right yeah his friendship with bucky and yeah you had the whole shield thing but i mean it was really about him so i i wish we would have more stories like that yeah i think the problem like you said um once they started doing the you know once you do Infinity War and then Endgame, it's like you already raised the bar so high to the point that everybody's expecting the same level of excitement. And my problem was, even I remember uh, when I look at it, is that when I watched the film and I was looking at the whole picture of the 10 years, uh, of all the movies that they produce on that face, uh, in my mind I was like, okay, where do we go from here? Um, Because... If you go back, then people are going to say, well, you know, you're retracing the steps back. You're not building anything new. But at the same time, you know, like you already brought one of the biggest or most bad characters that they have, which is Thanos. Who else? And there's other characters. But now you have to, you're in this situation where everything has to be grandiose. Everything has to be big. Everything has to be huge. And unfortunately, it's like the expectation. The audiences are expecting that. Um but I, I would I would say the same thing as you were saying. I totally agree. We go back to the human stories, the small little, you know, pockets of stories here and there. I think that that's where the MCU shines. And and that is the same thing. That's the reason why I prefer Ant-Man, the first Ant-Man movie, because it was all about the Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so many characters on the on Marvel universe that can be done so well. Like even on television, like you saw the Daredevil story on Netflix. That is a fantastic interpretation of Daredevil. I don't think there's other better show that has been done for Marvel, you know, and Marvel, the, you know, Disney plus has tried to do this stuff, even with She-Hulk, all of that. It wasn't as great, but at least they were trying something similar, but not on the same dark level, but that way that they did it, they were, they stayed true to the character. Of course, they did the interpretation for the show, um, but it was done so well. And I feel that they can continue doing stuff like that, um, bringing some of those small stories, make it more human. Because once you start going into the the universe, into this new galaxies and stuff like that, then you, you risk the, you know, you're losing a lot of that human contact. You know, the, the things that you, you can say, I can relate with this character. That was the difference, I think, with uh, Winter Soldier, is that you felt as Captain felt. He was conflicted about the situation, about doing the right thing uh, as, uh, you know, defending his country, defending America, but at the same time, he's conflicted about his friend. And I think we can all relate to that. You know, we can conflict about doing the right thing as good citizens of this nation, but also as, you know, what can we do where our friends are on the cross line? You know, are we going to sacrifice them for the well-being of what we have, you know? of our job as, you know, protectors of this country. So uh, uh, that's the thing, you know, we can go back to those stories where I, we can relate. I think that the MCU has potential. How do you feel about the DCEU? DC movies? <laughs> you mean the mess that it is? Me- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. They, I, you know, I, I'm not James Gunn's biggest fan, but, uh, you know, at least they've got someone who's trying to, you know, map it out. And, you know, again, they're trying to diversify also, right? Get away from the main Justice League characters as well with their next with their, their next film. So, you know, I think that's good. Um, I think they've got some very ambitious plans. I'd be yeah. curious to see if they 
even make it to the second second phase of their stuff because um, all it takes is one bad movie right um and then they they change course so i you know i'm hopeful because uh again a variety of characters different takes on things uh is always helpful and interesting um but yeah we'll see well all right, so now really coming to the end of the, the podcast, and we have talked about a lot of things in this episode, from this, from that, from this, and the photography. Now, um, you know, I want to say again, thank you very much for what you have done as a collector, um, as part of the community. Uh, I love what you do with your, with your photographs uh, that you have done over the years. You have always been a source of inspiration. Uh, as you said, it's different from toy photography because toy photography, you have the, the ability to pose and do so many things. You have that, you know, but with statues, it's all about imagining from the different angles how you can present this image. And to me, that is it's more complicated than just toy photography. But you have done amazing. Um, your, your, you know, you have your you have a website, you have your Instagram where you share all that information and you know you share your images and I love it. And definitely you also have a book, correct? You, you sell, a, you know, you have a book where you sell some of your. Right. I, I've got both the website where you could buy prints of ind individual pictures. And then I put together a couple photo books um, that you just buy directly from me that, that you could purchase also. Yeah. And, and whoever is watching this and has stayed to this episode and I'm you know, familiar with the work that Joe does, I would recommend, I will have the links in the description for those who are interested so they can go to your website so they can go to your instagram as well so they can get to see your work and definitely be inspired by it now before we end do you have anything that you want to share to whoever is also interested in doing the things that you have done as in photography they want to get also into doing the same thing what would be your recommendation to them oh definitely uh just get a camera and start playing around i mean don't be scared i mean i i had no idea what to do early on and i certainly made lots of mistakes along the way and you know i still have a lot to learn so i'm just always trying to uh improve my, you know my techniques and and learning also but you can you can do it you just just take that take that leap you know and and start trying and now a recommendation to anyone that wants to get into statue collecting based on your years of experience what would be your advice to all of them uh definitely have a um boundary of what you want to get right no you know whether it's a certain character or even if it's a team or a certain company or whatever just limit it so that you're not uh, it can easily get out of control uh to where you can start trying to buy everything um I, just buy what you love, buy you know, buy what speaks to you, uh, what means something to you, and that way you'll always enjoy it. All right, Joe. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for this interview. It was a pleasure to have you here as a guest. Hopefully, we can get it. Also, uh, we can have you again in the future. But thank you for your time and thank you for what you do and what you have done as a collector. Oh, yeah. Thank Thanks for having me, and I appreciate all the kind words. Yeah. All right, thank you, everybody. Don't forget, uh, I will have the links if you are interested on. Supporting uh, Joe also, uh, buying his, uh, you know, buying the books or buying the prints so you can showcase with your collection. Uh, go to the link and look at the website and also follow him on Instagram. Follow him on social media so you can see the stuff that he does. So, my friends, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Take care. And I will talk to you again. Bye-bye.